Welcome to the Wild and Beautiful Woman's Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Wild Organics, wildorganicliving.com. At Wild Organics, you can find USDA certified organic CBD products, neurobiologic supplementation, energy bits, spirulina and chlorella, and also wild foods and so many other products that boost your immune system, help with your neurotransmitters, and make you feel wonderful and healthy. No content in this podcast is meant to treat, diagnose, or cure any illness or disease. Hello everyone, I am Marie, your host of Wild and Beautiful Women, and it is October and I am so excited. I live in Texas, the weather starts cooling down a little bit here in October, you can smell all the fall smells in the air and all the pumpkins are out, and I'm really excited to be kicking off fall, finally, we are through the summer. And with that being said, October is also Breast Cancer Awareness Month, as many of you know, and I'm going to be talking about some wonderful preventative things that you can be doing to um, detect early cancer, to prevent you getting cancer, and I have a family history of cancer in my family. My mom, when I was nine years old, and of course I was adopted, so this isn't genetically linked to me, but the devastation of my mom getting sick with colon cancer when I was nine years old, and you know, really what that did, and and the, the loss of my mom and watching her die of cancer was really devastating for so many years of my life moving forward after that. I was, I had a wonderful mom and she couldn't have children. She couldn't have children because she had some ovarian issues. So when she started having some stomach symptoms and stomach pain, She ended up going to the doctor. She didn't go right away, unfortunately, which is so very important. I want to stress that if you're having some type of symptom, going to the doctor early is key to overcoming uh, in the progression of cancer, but my mom did not go to the doctor early because she was never really sick, and she just wrote it off to you know indigestion or other things. But when she finally did go to the doctor, they thought that she needed a hysterectomy because she had a history of some ovarian issues, and so they went to do surgery for the hysterectomy. And when they came out of surgery. They told my dad that my mother had um, colon cancer and that it was in stage four and that they were giving her about nine months to live. So my dad brought my mom home after that surgery and she started, you know, with all the traditional things. And of course, this was in the 1970s. And they started with the traditional things such as um, chemotherapy treatments, Radiation at that time, I think they called it cobalt. I remember her getting something called cobalt treatments. And I would watch my mom get these treatments and come home and be sick and be throwing up and not wanting to eat and be very weak. And then she would start to feel a little bit better, start to eat, be able to eat a little bit, and then go back for more of her treatments. And at this time, I really wasn't understanding why they were giving my mom treatments. My dad was fighting with the doctors, I remember, because he didn't think that she needed these treatments given that they were making her worse 
because they they there was no hope for her. They had given us no hope whatsoever. But for whatever reason, they continued on with the treatments. I watched my mom's hair fall out and you know, my mom slept in my bed. She couldn't sleep in my dad's bed. And I slept out on the sofa in our home because she had a colostomy bag on. And, you know, I was watching all her hair fall out all over my bed. I remember it smelled like medicine in in the room she was sleeping in. I think all the chemotherapy was just coming out of her pores. And the the colostomy bag would fall off and she would cry and my dad would get upset because he couldn't get it back on and I watched her lose weight and become very skeletal like and you know I was just losing my mom over these nine months and it changed the course of my entire life and I know that is with many families out there and anyone listening that has been touched by cancer it can be extremely devastating. And I too had cancer um, in 2010. I, I had a little beauty mark on the left side of my cheek. And I went to a dermatologist because this beauty mark got a little bit rough. It was getting a little bit darker. And that uh, particular dermatologist, you know, dismissed it as being cancer or melanoma. I thought it might be melanoma. And she said, no, that's not what melanoma looks like. Uh, you're fine. And so a few months went by and I ended up going to see a plastic surgeon friend of mine and I had him look at it. And he said, no, Marie, that's not melanoma. You don't need to worry about it. And I ended up going to a different dermatologist for something else and had her look at it. She also said, no, Marie, that's not melanoma. That's not what melanoma looks like. There's nothing to worry about. And uh, five or six months, so a total of nine months had gone by. uh, And I ended up waking up on a Sunday morning with this pit in my stomach. And just my mind was saying, there's something wrong with your face. There's something wrong with your face. You need to go to a doctor. So I looked up on that Monday morning the next day to call a cancer specialist, a Mohs surgeon, someone that I thought would, you know, certainly know, is this, is this something to worry about? So I end, ended up getting an appointment went the, uh, on that Tuesday, and she was very dismissive as well and said, that's not what melanoma looks like. This is ridiculous. You've been seeing all these doctors. They're telling you the same thing. And I told her, I said, you know what? I don't want to worry about it anymore. Something is telling me that, you know, something's not right with this mole. And it has changed a little bit. And I'd really just like you to do a punch biopsy. And she said, no, that's going to leave a little scar on your face. I don't want to do that. And I said, look, it's just a little needle punch. I'm paying for this. My insurance is paying for this. And if you will just do the punch biopsy so you can send it to the lab and we can just, you know, find out certainly, you know, for certain that it's not cancer. So we did that, and she called me a week later in a panic, saying, Marie, you have a very aggressive melanoma on your face. You need to see an oncologist. You probably are going to need a sentinel lymph node biopsy. And my, my, my heart fell into my stomach because 
so many parts of me knew it was melanoma, but I was told by four doctors that it was not melanoma without any testing. They gave me the diagnosis, not cancer. And if I had not been my own advocate, I don't know where I would be today. And what happened then was I went to an oncologist. He read over the report that um, was sent to the dermatologist. And he said, look, I don't think you need a sentinel lymph node biopsy. And what a sentinel lymph node biopsy is, is where they shoot, I believe, a blue dye into the area where the cancer is present. And that goes down through the the drainage system down into the lymph nodes and kind of lights up that area. And so then they go in and they take those parts of the lymph node that is potentially affected and they slice it up and look to see if there's cancer cells in the lymph nodes. And this particular oncologist and his words were, Marie, if it were me, I would wait a year. We can scan your lymph nodes, make sure they're a normal size and watch them for a year. If they start to swell and you will know that, then we can do the sentinel lymph node biopsy. So I thought, well, the oncologist is saying if it were him, this is what he would do. So this is what I'm going to do. I ended up getting the scan. My lymph nodes were a normal size, and I ended up going to see a plastic surgeon that worked with this oncologist so he could do the drawings and figure out where they were going to take this tumor out of my face. And at first, I was mortified because they drew a line from the corner of my eye all the way down to the corner of my chin and uh, with a marker and said, this is how they're going to open and excise this area. And I was just devastated thinking my face is going to be seriously disfigured. And the oncologist came in and said, you know, no, we don't really need to do it that way. We can make a smaller incision. And so those two doctors worked together. The plastic surgeon opened and made the opening incision. The oncologist removed the tumor. He did a one and done. It wasn't like a Mohs surgery where you take a little bit and you go send it to the lab and you take a little bit. This was a one and done thing because the oncologist did it himself. And, you know, he really knows what that cancer looks like. They do send that tissue off just to make sure all margins are cleared. And then the um, plastic surgeon closed up the incision. And that is 11 years ago. And my face couldn't look better. The incision was amazing. And I'm past 10 years of a secondary progression of the cancer potentially, you know, reoccurring. But I've done a lot of things for my health to prevent a reoccurrence, which I'll talk about that a little bit farther into the podcast. But if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, I talk about being your own advocate. If I had not been my own advocate saying, you know, I know you're saying this is not melanoma, but something's telling me something's wrong and I want this looked into further. I want further testing. Had I not done that, I don't know if I would be alive today or I don't know if the cancer would have progressed. I would have needed chemotherapy or would I be disfigured because so much more of my face would have needed to be cut out or my lymph nodes in my neck. So you have to be your own advocate. If you feel that something is wrong, you have the right to ask your doctor for additional testing. You have the right to push back on what doctors are telling you if you feel you need further testing or something looked into further. I can't stress that enough. 
I went through so much with being chronically ill for over 13 years and doctors just dismissing me constantly again and again and again. So don't, do not get dismissed by your doctors. Just because they are a doctor does not mean they are right. Testing is important and, and additional testing is so important to finding out what might be going on with you. And that has been my experience so many different times, unfortunately, that I've had to push and push back to get the proper testing to find out what is going on with me. And so I, you know, want to give you you know, the encouragement that you can do the same thing. It is really important that you don't feel embarrassed or shy or that you're, you know, arguing with your doctor. If you feel something is not right, then you have the right. You're paying for it. Your insurance is paying for it. And this is you. This is your health. Nobody else's health. Nobody else's body. You have to be able to take care of you. And this is a very important step of doing that. So breast cancer, so skin cancer that I had, melanoma, the most aggressive form of skin cancer, uh, is skin cancer is the number one leading cause of cancer deaths in the United States. And second is breast cancer. And breast cancer is the most diagnosed cancer in the USA after skin cancer. And in 2021, the estimated diagnosis for breast cancer was 281,550 new cases of invasive breast cancer and 42,290 new cases of non-invasive breast cancer. And 43,600 women have died and die every year of breast cancer and about 530 men die of breast cancer every year. And these numbers come from stopbreastcancer.org is where I got these numbers from. 1975, one in 11 people got breast cancer and now 2021, one in eight. So what is the difference and why are more people being diagnosed with, with cancer and breast cancer? And part of that, I believe, is nutritional support and the different foods that are, you know, in boxed and bags and fast food drive throughs you know, the different types of chemical toxins that we are coming into contact with more and more, you know, pollution in our air, pollution in our water. I think this is what is bringing on a rise in cancer cases, not just breast cancer, but so many other types of cancers. And also electromagnetic radiation, your Wi-Fi, your cell phones. I see women all the time exercising with their cell phone tucked into the pocket or into their sports bra. And Ladies, you have to stop putting these cell phones near your ovaries, near your um, breast. Uh, there are so many different types of new reports about electromagnetic radiation. Turning your Wi-Fi off if you can. Uh, that is one way to really help prevent cancer, but please stop putting your cell phone in your uh, sports bra. Um, and I do tell women, they probably think I'm crazy, but I'm like, you know, you probably shouldn't put that there. It's better if, you know, at least put it in your back pocket or away from you, you know, when you're exercising. Uh, when you're exercising, take a break from your phone anyway. Uh, it's really great time to just de-stress and 
uh, boost your immune system and constantly having, you know, your cell phone going off, I think also is not a good idea while you're exercising. But, you know, I've been doing some research and as a nutrigenomic specialist, you know, I'm constantly uh, studying and we have about 1,200 viruses that can live in our body, DNA and RNA viruses. And there's a lot of studies that have come out that show that breast cancer can be caused by viral issues. Studies are showing that about 80% of viruses cause cancer. Viruses such as Epstein-Barr, Cytomegalo, HPV, the human papillomavirus, and a host of other viruses. Studies show that the BRCA gene, you know, is one of the genes, obviously, that we know give you about a 50% greater chance of getting breast cancer. However, that particular gene by itself, you know, isn't going to be just the cause of breast cancer. It takes a lot more than one gene to develop breast cancer. And so understanding your genes, you know, your functional genes, your MTHFR, your methylation and your detoxification genes, you know, how are your T cells functioning to, you know, understanding that is going to help you prevent cancer, you know, getting your T cells checked, you know, your levels checked, um, checking your genetics, your methylation, your vitamin D levels, your antioxidant levels, you know, are you on toxic overload with toxic chemicals? You know, I talk in other podcasts about how many chemicals we come into contact with, but all of these chemicals can become carcinogenic in the body and lead to cancer, especially if you don't have good fighter cells. So understanding how your T cells are functioning is going to be key into not getting cancer and preventing cancer. Every single one of us makes cancer cells, but you also have natural killer cells like your T cells. And what they do is find abnormal cells and they kill them. But if you have a poor functioning immune system, then those T cells are going to be kind of off in la-la land and just allowing viruses, cancer, and different types of things to replicate in the body. And then you get sick. If you have the understanding of where you're sitting genetically, that gives us such great tools to understand where your immune system is sitting. And so, you know, do you need probiotics? You know, probiotics really feed your immune system. Beta-glucans, you know, they're your natural sugars and they turn T-cells back on if your T-cells are not functioning. For breast cancer, make sure you're doing your self-exams once a month and also, you know, yearly getting your mammograms. And for someone that's already had cancer and has been what we would call cured from cancer, no cancer cells present, you know, oncologists have a really, you know, they've gotten really great about, you know, putting the right type of poison in the body, you know, and it is poison, you know, chemotherapy and things like that are poison that hopefully will get to the cancer cells first. But once you are, you know, through your cancer and you've gone through all the treatments and the doctors tell you, you know, you're cancer free. I don't know of any oncology facility that has an immunologist on staff that then comes to you and says, okay, you got cancer, you had a weakened immune system, obviously, you wouldn't have gotten cancer, and now we've killed the cancer, the oncologists have killed the cancer, so what do we do to prevent a secondary cancer? Because that's typically the cancer that comes back 
and you don't survive from as easily a secondary because you're not really expecting it. And sometimes it shows up in other places in the body that you're not looking for it. And so prevention, as far as understanding your immune system, understanding your nutritional needs, is going to be key to not getting a secondary cancer. You are truly the only person that can take care of you, take care of your body, take care of your health, and your your retirement home that you have to live in for the rest of your life. So looking at foods, you know, what are you putting in your body? Are you putting things that have a list of ingredients? I mean, the longer the list, the worse the product is. It is, is it in a bag? Is it in a box? Um, you know, how processed is it? What type of oils are in, you know, the products and the foods that you're eating? And is it real food? Is it coming from the earth? Is it valuable? Does it have nutrition that your body can actually, you know, benefit from? So I know there's a lot of convenience in the boxed and the canned and the microwave types of foods and running through the drive through but you have to take some time to take care of you to prevent illness before illness you know becomes a problem and you'd wish that you had done things differently because i assure you that if you're diagnosed with cancer you will look back and think i should have done this 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 and this i wish i had done these things to help prevent this because there are a lot of preventative measures that you can take. Understanding what supplementation is right for your body. Understanding does your body detox well or does it not? Do you methylate enough or do you not? Do you clean out dirty cells, you know, cellular garbage, which is called autophagy. And without good autophagy, you can't get nutrition into the cell very easily because the cell is clogged with dirt and debris and garbage that's carcinogenic and also leads to different types of cancers. So all of these things we can look at genetically and really help you be as healthy as you possibly can. So I really stress that you start doing some of your own research Start taking some preventative measures before you get cancer, but also understanding if you have had cancer and survived cancer, how to not get cancer again. We have several different types of health panel genetic testing that we can do. There's a wonderful woman's health panel, and that one allows us also to see if you're predispositioned for estrogen dominance or clotting issues that can lead to different types of strokes and heart attacks. But we also have a huge immune panel. It's called the Pro 7, and we look at 55 genes, and that is your methylation, your neurotransmitter, mitochondria, your detoxification, and inflammation. All of these are the body kind of from head to toe. So there's different panels depending on what we want to look at, but I recommend that you look deeper into natural healing, natural health, natural prevention to make your body just thrive and be able to get through cancers and viruses and for you to age gracefully and feel and look amazing at any age of your life. I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This podcast, again, is supported by Wild Organics, wildorganicliving.com. I hope you have a wild and beautiful day.